We are sitting here. It's Sunday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. And we are, have coffee in hand. And we are talking about sibling order and the importance of sibling order and the character traits each sibling gets. Brings to the table. So if you're an oldest, we're going to let you know why you're so bossy. Yes. And if you're a youngest, we're going to let you know why you're so... Attention-seeking. Laissez-faire. Doesn't always fit, but we'll dive in. Let's talk about it. Anything and everything. Let's discuss this calmly and rationally. Come on in here. Let's talk about it. Wait, wait, wait. Let's discuss this. All right. It's rainy Saturday morning. Usually we do this on Sundays. We're being proactive today. Yeah. And it done on a Saturday. So last weekend we waited. We tried to record this one, but I was a zombie and it was just bad. So now we're giving it a, a fresh start early in the morning when we're at our best. I am. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a best. I'm a. He nap. says that, but he has, he has the potential to be a morning person. He just chooses not to. I work best at night. That's when my brain's most active. Yeah, because you pump your brain full of energy drinks and you force yourself to stay up. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> that's terrible. That's the best thing. That's not healthy. It gets the creative juices going. <laughs> um, it's raining. We we're gonna go for a walk. Katie canceled the walk because she's scared of rain. I'm not scared of rain. I just don't want to get... I hate walking around in damp clothes. There's nothing more uncomfortable than that. I may go for a walk. Just... Well, it stopped raining. I love walking in the rain. It's like when we were in Lavalette and down the shore and anytime it rained, I would, we would go for a bike ride or go walk around or I would go swim in the rain. Yeah, when we, when we went shopping on that rainy day, that was kind of fun. Yes. It was fun when we got home and then we changed into dry, warm clothes. Well, that's the best part. Exactly. It's like going... So it's not even the action of walking in the rain that you enjoy. So you can't really say that. It's the subtle misery once you get out of the rain into the cold. And then you get to resolve that misery by putting comfy clothes on. <laughs> and it's the perfect. So the best things in life are things that can make you feel miserable for a short amount of time. Because at the end of it, you could go back to being not miserable. No, I just hate being in the sun. So when like <laughs> God, when they give me weather that's not going to make me sweat my ass off just from standing there, I'll go on a walk. That, maybe that's a why. A little preface, we are in California. We're in Central California, and we just had... We're in Northern California. We're Central California. We're in Northern. Northern is like closer to Sacramento, Tahoe. Yeah, Central is like Bakersfield, Santa, Ma Santa Maria... Okay, fine. So we're in the Bay Area. Which that's is that's the best. Okay, anyways. We just had a really bad hot streak. It was like in the 90s like for a, a long time. Like a five-month hot streak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it lasted, up until, <laughs> it lasted up until October. But what I realized when I was talking about, because I've lived here my whole life, Jimmy hasn't. And um, what I realized when I was talking about this with my coworkers is every year on Halloween, the weather just completely changes. And then that's when we start getting consistent cold weather or rainy weather. So now we went from being in the 90s for months all the way up to October 31st, and then it just stopped. And now we're having really pleasant, cold It'll rainy be weather. 70 and sunny in three days again. I don't think so. It'll be 70 and sunny on random days in February. It's terrible. <laughs> I think it's great. No, I want my seasons. It kind of sucks, though, because I, being from here, I don't think I could live anywhere else because... Even in this weather, that's not even that bad. I get, I get, seasonal depression. Like, I need to be in the sunlight all the time. The opposite. 
which is probably why I loved ice hockey so much. It was like, I can go skate around and like exert energy and I don't have to be in 90 degree weather outside in the sun. I can be inside in the refrigerator and do this. <laughs> I can't do that. I, there were points when I was a child and I'd have to find like spots in the house where there was sun shining and like just a dog? Like, like a dog or a cat. And I would just, just lay there and be like, Oh God, give me some of that vitamin D. <laughs> They're like, where's Katie? Did, did she run away? Is she... she like, I was just on the she, floor. Is she playing? <laughs> under a like, window. No, she's just in her favorite sunspot. <laughs> watching the morning traffic. Just curled up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about sibling order. And we did it a little different. I did some research and found some things. Katie did some research and found some things on our let's, own. Let's start, though, by describing our own family and our, and our own sibling... Our own positions in our families. Okay, I am the second of four. The fourth being a gap child. Yeah. What they call it? Yeah, gap child. Yeah. I have older sister, two years older than me, me, little sister, two years younger than me, and then brother, ten years younger than me. Yeah. You're the youngest of two, though. Yeah, so they, are just, it's just my older sister and I, and we're almost two years apart, and that's it. After that, they were like... We can't do this. <laughs> well, We're in over our heads. We'll, we'll stop it too. It's always risky for your dad because when he has two girls, if you try for a third to try to get that boy. That's true. If you get that girl, now you have three girls. <laughs> and it's like, well, shit, do I try again to get that boy? Right. And then you have four kids. So a lot of people just cut it off at two. Like, And it sucks because he was... He was the baby out of three, and he had two older sisters, and my mom has only one brother out of four. Female heavy family. Very female, and so he is just surrounded by women all the time. And then our dog's a girl. Like, he just can't catch dogs, a break. Dog's a girl. She's so girly. She's so girly. Such female traits. Can't catch a break. All right, so the most interesting thing that I found is it says... There's all these articles on sibling order, and there's a couple things you have to take into consideration, they said. Not just sibling order, but size. Because, say, you come from a family of two, your odds of being the oldest and the youngest are... 50-50? 50-50. But if you come from a family of four or three... The odds are lower. Now, that's common sense. But, like, so when you read a stat, stat that say most astronauts are only childs. Oh. They said that's, like, not really true. The more highlighted thing in that situation is most astronauts come from small families because they come from wealthy families and only have one or two kids. And right. when you only have one or two kids, the odds of you being uh, first child are much higher. So they're saying most astronauts aren't the litter aren't like the fourth right. or fifth child. Well, you know what blows my mind about that is what you, about wealthy families having smaller fam, smaller families. God, I can't talk. Um, that's kind of crazy. Like, why would... I know... So I know way back in the day that poor families had big families so they could put their kids to work and use them like on the farms when everyone had farms and just took care of themselves. But now... Why is it the case that wealthier families are having small, having less kids, and poor families are having more kids, and then they can't sustain? I think poor families always had. Yeah. More kids. Why? 
Well, my answer is rude, so I don't want to say it. Oh, I just think they're that. dumb and like. Oh. Well, I know. Believed in God and. Up until like, I mean, for a long time there wasn't birth control. I was in the midwives. They illustrate that perfectly. Women, well into their forties, fifties, and this was set in the. 40s, 50s, 60s. They were still having call the midwife like, to show you like the show I like. Yeah, they were they were giving birth to children left and right, and they were like, I don't want any more. Please make it stop. But they didn't have any access to birth control or anything, so like it wasn't really their choice. They were just they couldn't help it. Like it was don't. either don't have sex and don't they have weren't any more privy kids. to the knowledge of how to handle such situations. Well, yeah, I guess so. Where wealthier people always. Had more access to knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People around them. Sad. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's hey, move on. Move on. <laughs> that was so off topic. My favorite thing. So this is, I'm not going to go in like order of research. My favorite thing, because there's all these different articles that say all these different things. My favorite thing, because I found it super interesting, was it says that who you surround yourself with and marry usually has the same sibling order as you. Right. So, we racked our brains. My sister just married my brother-in-law. They're both firstborns. Mm-hmm. You and I are both secondborns. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad are both middle. They're both mm-hmm. actually second to last or, yeah, second to last, but they're middle. Both my grandparents were firstborns. Mm-hmm. My, on my other side, my grandpa and my grandma were not the same. Mm-hmm. They're divorced. Um... On my other podcast that I do, I asked him. He's married. They're both second. Of That's two. crazy because I think that's I haven't. Um, the your parents aren't. My parents aren't. My gra- I don't know if my grandparents were. No, well, they definitely weren't. My brother-in-law's brother Nate. Yeah. Him and Gina are both youngest. Oh, okay. It's crazy. I, I just keep a, thinking of more and keep, more people. You've got tons of people, and I can't think of a single one. Well, I, well you know family. all the people that I'm naming. Well, no, I know, but on my side of the, on my fam, in my family, I can't think of, I genuinely can't think of anyone that matches uh-huh. to their birth order. Well, if you're listening to this, go rack through all the people you know that are married and see if their sibling order match up. Mm-hmm. Because it's scary, the in my my brain, how many came to my brain and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> No, for real, it's nuts. <laughs> I never even thought of that before, but it makes sense because yeah. if the personality traits are there, especially in like spousal family dynamic, like because you probably agree on how to raise kids, right? Because you were raised that. in similar. Well, it's right. all changes, but that's one right. fact. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. You, what did you find? Um, what I found was it wasn't like anything crazy exciting. Probably everything that you. We've already talked about, but just the characteristics of the first, second, third, or youngest, and then only children. Um, but I don't really relate to the like. I don't re- relate to. I think it's different for me because I was raised with just Kelsey and I, and for whatever reason, they were stricter with me than they were with her. Like they raised her as if she was the younger child. Does that make sense? I guess so, if you're saying it. I mean, I don't have great examples from, like, our early childhood, but from from adolescence, like, being a teenager, 
and maybe before a little bit before that I have some examples of how that would have been the case. So I think I fit more, I don't know, I don't know where I fit. This one's funny for me. But yours, I, I read all of the um, descriptions and I can totally see how it fits your family and your siblings. Yeah, every everything that I've read, our family falls into perfectly. Yes, yes. Absolutely. So the other one is actually, I didn't read this. Someone in France told Courtney, my older sibling, this. She said, the first child takes after the father. The second child takes after the mother. The third child takes after the marriage. And the fourth starts over, which really is cool. pretty, very, very true accurate. in my family. Cor Courtney's people... my dad. I'm my mom. And Ritzy is like, she's different now, but growing up, she was just very carefree and happy and like yeah. did her own thing. And my parents had a good marriage. So yeah. have. That's funny. Cause the thing I read about the, the, the last, the youngest, um, was there was a woman who said, describe yourself as a child and then describe yourself now. And it's kind of like Ritzy was very carefree and whatever. Which is my youngest sister. Youngest sister. Never mind. Never mind. Just cut this out. Why? I can't even complete a thought right now. Okay. Well, the <laughs> I other thing. Coffee in my veins. Do you have coffee? The other thing I is. I don't like it. The other like to like really simplify it. Found it says the oldest is the achiever, the oldest is the achiever, the middle is the peacemaker, and the last is the life of the party. So these are the these are the descriptions I got for those. Are they different than this? Um. Not different, but it explains why they may have these characteristics. All right. Hit me with them. Okay. So, um, oh, I don't know where my firstborn... Firstborns bask in their parents' presence, which may explain why they sometimes act like many adults, which I thought was funny because... Courtney, Courtney, when she was seven years old, she refused to sit at the kids' table when we had family dinners. She would rather sit at the adult table with my dad and talk like business and shit by herself. Like she was the only kid at the table, all the adults, a cousin like that. and we would be at the kids' table. Courtney never wanted to be thought of as a kid. She yeah. always wanted to be thought of as an adult. Yeah. That's why I said she was born 30. And, and there's a woman on this article I was reading who described herself. She's like, I always want to be the best dressed. I always, in like a quirky, stylish way, I always want to be the best at my job. I always want to be the best. And she's like, not just, not to be better than anyone or to compete with anyone, just to be the best. That's Courtney. like, that sounds like Courtney. Court, if you're listening, that's you. <laughs> and we mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, I'm, I wish I had that. Yeah, I, I would love I to have that attitude. Go, I wish I had a go-getter attitude <laughs> or ambition that comes with being a firstborn, I guess. And then the article I read said about second, um, they uh, the parents might also be less attentive to the second-born child since there's another child competing for attention, and they probably will be less inclined to impulsively dial 911 every time the child breaks a sweat. This may cause a second-born to be less of a perfectionist but more of a people-pleaser due to the lack of attention he gets in comparison to his older sibling. And that sounds like you. Well, yeah, and mine says people-pleaser. The one I read said peacemaker. That was yeah. definitely me. Somewhat rebellious, thrives on friendships, has large social circles, peacemaker see i don't relate relate to any of that so i don't i think that's more driven towards second i don't know well i don't know not that's... babies not the baby but the second born specifically that's me though when my mom and my older sister would fight they would both like corny would get sent to her room and then my mom would be in the room and then i'd be home with ritzy 
and it was like awkward and terrible. And I remember I would go, I would be like seven. I'd go to Courtney's room like, can you just say sorry? Can you just say sorry to mom? And then I go to mom, mom, Courtney's really sorry. Can you forgive her, please? Because it sucked. It's like, can we just not be yeah. mad at each other in this house? Yeah. So I was definitely peacemaker. I was definitely not the peacemaker. I was either, I was I was always the one to take a side. I wouldn't want. I would. I'd be the one to like encouraging more. Oh, good. good <laughs> like, don't be mean to dad. Leave him alone. You guys are all stupid. I still do that to this day. I don't let anyone pick on anyway. one or the other. I have to like, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, and then what I read for the youngest was youngest children tend to be the most free-spirited due to their parents' increasingly laissez-faire attitude towards parenting the second or third or fourth or fifth time around. The baby of the family tends to be fun-loving, uncomplicated, manipulative, outgoing, attention-seeker, self-centered. And so what I read was the article of describing children, the baby, as a child and the baby as an adult and the adult was like yeah I used to always want the spotlight like I'd fight for that spot but I'd push people out of the way I'd put on performances for family and friends I used to do that all the time like we'd have family friend dinners with our two big like really close family friends and I'd get the youngest because it was the older siblings the three older siblings and the three younger siblings and I was the oldest out of the three younger siblings and I'd rally them up and be like let's put on a show for the parents like let's go out there and do some ballet for them while they're eating now looking back on it I would hate that child <laughs> I'd be like get out of here we're trying to eat but um that's definitely true and then she said as she got older she was l- less like that but who's she the Person woman in the article. No, it was just a woman that they interviewed in the article oh. saying, and it, it made sense to me. I should pull it up or find it, but basically saying she wasn't as um, keen on having the attention on her, but she would find those traits in other facets of her life. Not as, not so not so obvious. Like I don't like the spotlight anymore. Like I and I don't have big um, groups of friends. And if I were in a big group, I wouldn't be the one putting on a show or like entertaining my friends. I'd be the one sitting back and just like keeping everything clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just get like that after a while. If I know people, I'll be like life of the party or whatever. Yeah. But like I was thinking about hockey the other day and playing a men's league. And when I left, I like said hi to everyone. Could you just see familiar faces? And I was like, but see ya, Bob, see ya, Joe, see ya, Frank. Like, bye. He's like talking. I was like, man, I know a lot of people here now, and I'm pretty, like, like kind of friendly with them. Like, I'm a face they know. We don't really, like, we're, like, best friends, but we just say hi and shit. Right. The people at the convenient, what, where they buy the snacks? Snacks, snack stand? Mm-hmm. What's that Concession called? Concession stand? Yeah, they know, like, what I'm going to get, what I'm going to pay, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm super talkative, and if you were to see me interact in that building, you'd be like, man, Jimmy, like, loves talking to people. He, like, is such a people person. If you saw me for the first year I went there... I don't think I even looked up from my feet. I'm like the (laughs) shyest, most like, I don't talk in the locker room getting dressed. Like now I probably am facilitating the entire conversation in the locker room. Right. Like, what do you think? What do you think? Talking to everyone? I guess my first year, I wouldn't talk. And that's like. That's how I was in classes. Oh, I didn't talk to anyone in classes. No, for the first weekend, I'm not making any friends. I don't want to talk to anyone. But then as soon as we had, as soon as the teacher says, all right, interact with the people around you or start forming groups to work on projects together, I was always the one that was like, 
talking above everyone else, making a fool of myself. Yeah, that was never making jokes. Well, not jokes that I thought were funny, <laughs> but I think I'm similar in the way, in the sense that like as soon as I've feel comfortable, feel comfortable, and, and I have an audience, then I'll then I'll kind of yeah push my way to the spotlight, but not so much intentionally. Just just nature. Yeah, in college classes, I I never. I, I always made it my goal not to talk to anyone because I didn't want, like, I was always, I had the mindset, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to study. But then, I, like I said, as soon as we ha- were forced to, so- to interact socially, I was like, all right, let's make a game of this. Let's make it fun. <laughs> and then I would never get any work done. Good. Or I'd be the only one working on the group project. I'd be doing all the work. Just because I didn't like anyone else's ideas. I'm like, no, we're going to do it this way. <laughs> yeah, group projects suck. I, would, I hate group I projects. either took on the role of, okay, I'm going to do this and I don't even want you guys' help. I'll just do it for us. Or, okay, you're going to do it. I'm not going to do anything. Oh, I would delegate. I'd be like, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and this I, is how it's going to go. And I need it by tomorrow. <laughs> I'd rather not be part of it and put blind trust in everyone else that in the one person that did it good or be the one person that did it good. It was whatever, whatever way that cookie was going to gonna crumble i i was fine with it yeah but it just depends like if one time in college i was paired up with this dude we had to do a book report and it was on um a book in the war it was, it was about war it was a history class it was about this book and i had to do you, you had to get up and pres- do a 20 minute presentation on the book and how it talks about war and the effects in war and shit like that and it was this, it was a night class. So I was with mostly adults, but I was 20 years old. I didn't talk. This was, I went to this school, University of Hartford for one semester. I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't meet anyone because every weekend I would go to another college half hour away and hang out with Jake and Nick and all them, Central Connecticut State. So I didn't talk to anyone ever. It was once a week. And finally it was my week. And I hadn't read the book, didn't own the book. My, didn't know my partner's name because we had only like, he was like, you two, your partners, first week of school. That partner, I had two, they both dropped out of the class. So it was just me. So I was, so I was the only one in the class who did the presentation by myself. I have severe stage fright. I wasn't warmed up to this classroom at all. And I hadn't read the book, didn't own the book. Bad student. Uh, I went to the library. I found... Every review on the internet of the book I could find. So I think there was like 20 reviews. I read all the reviews. I, every time someone had a quote, pulled that quote, put it in my report, thought, got all their thought processes, memorized them. That's plagiarism. No, it was books from, quotes from the book. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Not their quotes. I thought you meant the reviews. No, so whenever I read a review where they were like, I loved when he said this and put that oh. quote, I'll just take that quote and the page number. <laughs> I love <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so then I had okay. to, then I stood in front of the class of 20. And whenever I did a presentation in college, since I have stage fright, I would stare at the professor and say to myself, this is a one-on-one conversation. No one else is here. And I just talked to him. Like, I wasn't presenting. I was just like, so you know, on this page, blah, blah, blah. Like, we read it. Talk, just me and him were only one people involved. And I talked for 20 minutes. I regurgitated all the stuff that other people had said about it. Not like perfect. Like I, 
I like read all the reviews. I was like, I think I would agree with this person more than this person. They sound pretty like a douche. <laughs> this Jeez. person sounds like they liked the book. I should present myself as someone who liked it. And I read the quotes and I was like, so, you know, on page 20, when he says, blah, 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 blah. I really, when he was said that, I really felt, I did the whole presentation. I got an A plus, 99 out of 100. I sat down and I looked at the kid next to me. I was like, oh my God, did that sound like I read it? He's like, yeah. He's like, you crushed it. It's like, oh. that's how I did college. <laughs> just cram, cram. Little life hack. <laughs> cram, cram. Just don't, just fuck everything up. And then cram it in the last two seconds. What do they call that? Hyper-studying or something like that? Procrastinating? <laughs> no, there's a term for when you, like, it's like crunching. Like, crunch studying. Ah, that's a common term. Crash. No. Crash. Uh, no. Hyper-studying. I don't know. That's how I did it. Like, when I had history tests. Crunch time. When I, I had. Know. History in college is the tests are, they give you, like, 50 terms, Right. And they say, memorize the definitions to all these terms. This is how a lot of history tests are. And then when you get here, there's going to be 10 of them out of like more than 50. Say, there's 100 terms. There's going to be 10 of these on the test. You have to so just memorize, like teach yourself all 100 things. Right. 10 of them, you have to write 10 paragraphs in the blue book, and then you're out. How I would study for that, I would take 100 terms, and I would write, uh, I would get all their definitions and write it neatly on a piece of paper, all 100. And then I would flip the paper over and then I would write them smaller. And then I'd flip it over and I'd write all 100 definitions smaller. And then I'd write them all smaller until I was writing as small as I possibly could. And then just from writing it so much and writing them so slowly, I just memorized, memorized them. And then I'd have it all memorized. It's an interesting Strategy, yeah. That makes I mean, sense. It makes sense. I mean, writing is key to... And then sometimes I would do like, like little ditties. reading it, writing it, saying it, and then... Well, I wouldn't do the saying. I'd just take Adderall, go to the library for six hours, and write. Adderall. Like, now That's my awful. hand gets crazy when I write. But back okay, then. come on. Let's get back, get okay. back to the topic. This is not how this... So off topic. Well, I went... Talking about stage fright, and then I went to my college. We were talking habits. About, no, we were talking about college. We were talking about classes and how we interact with people in classes. Then it went to like group projects. Okay, then it right. went to just study. The next thing that I learned about sibling order is second borns. Now that doesn't mean second; it means not first. So it could be second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. You know what I mean, right? In this study, the term second born just meant not first. No, yeah, I meant. Quite literally, the second like, born. Like, in my family, I'm a second born, Ritzy's a second born, Luke's a second born. That's what how they meant it. No, they mean it. No. Because no. they say, they, they categorize it first, second, and then baby. But we're reading two different studies. I'm telling oh. you, this was a different study. Oh, 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 oh. And that's a weird way to classify that. Second borns, so anyone that's not the first, are more likely to go to prison, get in major trouble, and go to jail. Because... There's two reasons they said. One, they they feel like they need to cause a ruckus to get attention because they're fighting for attention from the day they're born. They never have the sole attention that, that the newborn, that firstborn does. Two, the firstborn's role models are only parents. Where the secondborn, the youngerborns, have role models that are like Completely two years older than them. Like yeah. they see their two-year-old brother shitting his pants and rubbing on the walls. They don't know that that's wrong. They just, oh, he's older than me and he did it. I'm going to shit my pants for rubbing on the walls. I don't think that, 
It makes sense. It makes complete sense. But I never, I don't recall ever looking up to my sister and being like, this is, this is who I look up to. This is my role model. So I'm going to do what she does. Well, you, this is like, we're talking children. I know. I'm thinking about being a child and. You don't remember anything past like six. I remember tons of stuff. And six is, like, that's a good prime age for this. But that thought process, like, makes sense. It does, that's why I said it makes sense. I just don't think any of this, none of it makes sense to my family. Like, Courtney got in trouble when she was in high school. And I have that as a year being younger than her. Well, Courtney got in trouble. Like, I can't do some things and get in trouble, too. I do remember things. Because I use it as, like, uh, a hitch. Like, well, she did it. Yeah. Where the older child is never going to look down at, like, their four-year-old younger. Well, she did it. I can do it. Yeah. it's like, well, she's younger than you. Yeah. But the younger child has bad influences ahead of it that they can use as a crutch or actually look up to. Mm. And that's Mm. why they go to prison more. Fair enough. Well, we have to talk about... Can I talk about the kids that I observe on a daily basis? Yeah, let's hear about them. So, I work with children, and I've always been, I've always worked with children and taking care of other people's children. Yeah, anyways. So, I've always noticed um, how birth order affects their relationships and how children behave in in an environment outside of their family. So, at the school, we have a group of kids, and I realized about something this is a very tough group of kids. They're very, very hard to, um, I don't know how, what the right word is, just to get them to... Control? Get them in, under control. And I realized that most, a majority of those children in that class are the firstborn, which to me translates to they're doing everything in their power to get the attention of the teacher, and it's not always going to be positive attention. So they don't care, and at that age, they don't care whether they're getting positive attention or negative attention. Attention is attention. So the easier attention to get, of course, is negative attention. It's easier to do something bad than to do something good as a child. Yeah. And especially if you've got, you go home and you've got two babies, you know, two younger siblings who your parents are constantly taking care of, and you're already clawing your way to get the attention back on you. So at school, same thing. You're in a group, you're in a class full of 20-something kids. You want to be the one the teacher is always looking at and talking to and communicating with, right? Yeah. So. Well, not for me, but yeah. This is a, this is a class full of older children, the old, eldest children, and they're very young. And so they're all just like doing everything in their power to get <laughs> that attention. And it's not good attention. And it's so frustrating. And then I see other classes where the majority is younger siblings, and they are the sweetest, most well-behaved children. <laughs> they just they just wanna they wanna get your attention and they wanna make sure you have a good day. They wanna make sure they're doing everything right in class. They wanna make you proud. Oh my gosh, the difference is insane. Not to bash on any child, you know, birth First order. Forms? Well, do you think that you're bashing on firstborns because you're not firstborn. This I'm not bashing. I'm, trying not, I'm not trying to bash on firstborn. I'm just relaying what I notice in a classroom environment when with children of, of that birth order. Yeah. Well, firstborn is probably always like, no, I know this is right. Yeah. That's how I feel in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. 
I don't, I don't know. I think they're just like okay. looking for detention wherever they can get in. We will have, we have to touch on only children. Oh, yeah. Neither of us are only children. Out. But my grandma, who was an only child, says and says often making your child an only child is the meanest thing you can do to someone. And she'll tell you, like, if, say, if we get married or Courtney and Brett are my sister and they are going to have a baby, my grandma will tell them, you have to have another. And, uh, don't just have one. I mean, it's definitely, I completely agree. I, <laughs> I don't, it's not like all, all, it's not like all only children are bad or worse. You can't even tell the difference half the time, but what, give them some friends. As long as you teach them how to share and interact with t- people their own age. Like what I've noticed about only children, and I've got a few students that I, that I deal with every day that are only children and they're really sweet. Like one of them, she's just a little adult. She just, she interacts with you as if you guys are the same age. And that can be really endearing or that can be really frustrating. I think when you only interact with adults on a regular basis, like that's who you spend your home life with, then it makes things, it really sets you up to be just a little adult your whole life. You grow up a little bit faster. But I think some of the complications with that is they don't know how to share. If, If the parent isn't very proactive on about teaching them how to share, then when they do have to go to school or, or have friends, you know, play days with friends, it's really frustrating. I've had, pl- I've had a lot of friends that were only children. I'm like, have you never shared anything in your life? Because, you know, being a yeah. younger sibling, all my clothes are hand-me-downs. We share everything. We don't get two of everything. You just, like, you get one thing and you have to share. You just have to share everything. It just seems lonely. Even if you're not best friends with your siblings, you come home from school, there's someone to, like, sit silently and watch TV with or do anything. Walk from the bus to the house together. Like, it just you just have someone. You don't have to be best friends with them. A built-in friend. A built-in companion. Whether or not it's a good friend or not. But but I think that those children end up being really well adjusted in in their um adolescence and then once they go off to maybe say college or to the real world they're like what wait I, I think, I'm not the center of the universe anymore <laughs> I think college hits a lot of no matter who you are college is eye opening right 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 being cuz you're stuck you live in the same house for 18 you, years with the same like Guidelines, like right. the tiniest things that you think are so normal, you can go to college and be like, what? No, this is how you do that. And then you like are stubborn for a bit. You're like, no, I've done it my whole life. And you're like, someone else is like, well, I've done it my whole life. Like, right, college right. Is you get a taste of everyone's yeah. perspective. But I think imagine going from a big family that's loud and busy and, you know, the attention isn't always on you and then going to college, you've already got a taste of not having the focus constantly on you. Yeah. But when you're an only child, your parents, your unit, your family unit, is always working towards bettering you and only you. So when you go off to college and you don't have that support system and you don't have that unit with you, you're, like, confused by why people are living their own lives and not helping you to better yourself constantly. So in the end, in summation, don't have only one kid. I don't my cousin's an only child and she's a sweet kid. Not not according to everything you just said. Well, she that's not the example I was going off. She's a good kid. Oh, I don't know. 
Don't say that. I never met her. I love my. You've met Jessica. Oh, very nice. I like She's her. She's a really nice kid. Yeah. Never gets into trouble. She's a really good kid. So in some ways, it's great because then you only have to worry about one kid. I will. I know. I know. I want. A, I want a big family, but. Okay, I think that's all we have on sibling order. The other thing I had was the middle child is always racing to catch up with the oldest and to stay ahead of the youngest. Like, they never want, they're always competing. Like, I need to catch up to her because she's older than me and more advanced. And I better not let my younger sibling catch up to me. Which I didn't really have because I could see that if my siblings were, I was a middle child with two brothers. I would see that definitely being the case. But with two sisters, it was a little different for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sibling order also matters with sports. But I think we talked about that when we talked about October. Uh, like, if you're the youngest of three boys, usually the youngest right, would be the right. best athlete because he's constantly competing against better talent. Right. All right. And because you you're learning from someone who already has experience. Before we go on to indulgences, I read two history tidbits. Like, I, everyone knows now as a history major, so I find them fascinating. So I'm going to do them quickly because I know not everyone will find them interesting. Also, I have to go. Okay, you're ready. Okay. Here's the first one. King Henry II, okay, in mm-hmm. 1559, I believe. Let me pull up the exact, the exact, uh, let me pull up the exact, I have it here, but I just want to see. Okay, yeah, so King Henry II in 1559, he was jousting, and his Scottish guard, Gabriel, the Count of Montgomery, so Gabriel of Montgomery, Knocked him off his horse, right? They were jousting each other like just an event mm-hmm. or, I don't know, maybe a competition. Knocked him off his horse, and the King Henry said, let's go again. And everyone's like, are you sure, King? Are you sure? It's like, yes, let's go again. So they go again, and Gabriel of Montgomery hits him in the head with his <gasps> joust, right? Oof. And a piece of wood splinters, goes through the King's face guard, through his eye socket, into his brain. Oh. Okay. Ooh, ooh, that just gave me chills. Oh, right. that sounds awful. That's not even the most interesting part. So <laughs> now the king's got a piece of wood. His wife... Does he get infected? Does he die? Yes. But first, they got the best doctors in all of Europe to come tend to him. And his wife, Catherine de Medici. Medici. Medici of Florence, the Medici mm-hmm. Bank. Yes. She, <laughs> this is the crazy part. She had two of the most celebrated physicians in Europe, Ambrose Paris and Andreas Vesalius, come tend to him. And Catherine de Medici ordered four prisoners executed via wooden splint through their eye into their brain. So they can practice on the prisoners, the executed prisoners, <laughs> before they tended to the king. Isn't that nuts? I mean, I really hope they were in prison for, like, murder for Who knows? good reasons. How, I mean, this is in 1552, so it's obviously, clearly, much different day and age. But the the lack of care or concern, care or concern of human life <laughs> so drastically different that it's bizarre. <laughs> That we're talking, we're talking Put about. Put the pen down. We're talking about humans, like. Well, imagine now if people in prison, they're like, okay, you're on death row, so we're gonna give you AIDS and then just test it, test it out, just see what happens. They got some experiments. Well, they did that. They, I mean, they did that during the Nazi regime too. They were. Yep. They did experiments on. Yeah, they did Jews it with, and, with uh, the the bomber. I, 
They did psychological tests on that on Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, the CIA made him crazy. Yeah, but I anyway. think that's that's been going on throughout history. Well, but that's a very weird example of it. Yes, <laughs> that's fascinating. So um, he died. The king died after eleven days, and the, and they say per one of the physician's personal accounts. Wait, this would have been a great topic alone. We could have found different examples of this, Jimmy. Well, it was interesting. We maybe we still can. Uh, personal account is consistent with the development of meningitis or what's this word? Encephalitis. 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 That's the swelling of the brain. So he died after eleven days. I think that's what it is. The question posed was, okay. "What happened to the guy that killed him? Like, did he get in trouble?" The count Montgomery. That was the question. Probably. Off with his head. That's what I imagine. He went to the king's bedside when the king was in pain and said, oh. "Take my head, take my hand." And the king, and the king said, "You jousted well and bravely, and that the accident is not your fault." Well, yeah, it's not his fault. I mean, you. Yeah, but I mean, this is a time when they're taking prisoners and just killing them with wood through the eye socket. Imagine being that prisoner, just like hanging out with the rats oh. in the dungeon or the tower, wherever they kept prisoners back then. They're like, you, I need you. Why? We're going to stick wood through your eye socket. Why? The king has wood through his eye socket. What? <laughs> Long live the king. Okay. <laughs> yes, I repent for my murder. Anything to save the king. Give me that wood. <laughs> yeah, what if they were like, we'll let you go. If you let us do this to you, well, in hopes sense. that they, well, maybe, like maybe there's a chance that they live. Oh, okay, yeah. If they're exper- experimenting to find a, you know, okay, a solution for the king. Now this next tidbit is not nearly as interesting as that one. Oh, then why are you even? Because I thought it was interesting, so maybe there's some people out there who think it's interesting. Oh. Do you know what the Third Amendment is? Uh, the right to bear arms. No, that's the second. Uh, no soldiers in the house? Yes, no quartering okay. of soldiers. Yeah. So they made that. Knew it. They made that during the Revolutionary War because the British... Were going into homes and... Just storing soldiers. Well, they were like, we live here now. Yeah. By order of the king, we are staying at your house, which was... So this meant, this was just a way of them saying, we're not going to do yes, that. Yes, you're not allowed to do that. Um, not cool. So we someone, didn't enjoy it, so we were not going to put any, anyone else through that. So it's the Third Amendment, which is way up there on our <laughs> list of what our country's built off, but it doesn't even come into play ever anymore. So we're looking. I was looking up the last time it came into play. Like, has this ever gone to the Supreme Court where someone was like, uh, you're violating my Third Amendment well, we, right? we haven't had any wars. It doesn't have to be during here. war. It just can be military. But they, that was all going on during the Revolution, Revolutionary yeah. War. Yeah. So it, it does happen during war. That's what's relevant about it. That's why they would be court. court but it can it. happen whenever. Anyway. Okay. So, so in 1982, Engel, Engblom versus Kerry, it, came, it went to the Supreme Court, the Third Amendment, which was crazy because there was no precedent for any of it. In 1982. 1982. Want to know what happened? I'll paraphrase it. Wait, did some soldier just come in and be like, I'm taking over? <laughs> no, it's, it's even more interesting. Oh. So they were prison guards that went on strike, but they were they lived at the prison mm-hmm. or on prison base. Mm-hmm. They had their housing there. They went on strike. The prison brought in military like workers, like uh, scabs, like to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And they put those... In the prison houses and said, well, you're on strike. You don't get that house anymore. And they put these new 
these new government workers in there. And they took it, and the people were like, no, that's my house. You can't. Right. Like, that's the Third Amendment. Right. Can't quarter people in my house. That's a very strange interpretation. interpretation yeah. So what do you think, how do you think the Supreme Court ruled? In favor of... Because here are the questions posed. It's not, he doesn't own the house. So does the Third Amendment work for people who live in apartments, who yes, live you rents? you still have rights. You still have ownership rights, even if you don't own it. Like, you have the rights to the even use if, of the land if you are permitted to live there. Even if it's... And you can't be, ta- those rights can't be taken away Even from if you, it's even a paid, like... You, yes, even if you don't pay for it. Correct. That So that precedent was set. The first thing that the Supreme Court had to figure out was, is this his home? Like, is this, does he have rights to this home per the Third Amendment? And they were like, yeah, you do. That's your home. You live yes. there. And then the other, there was three precedents it set. The other was... They have to evict you, and they have to go through the 30-day... Is a National Guardsman, so that's who, that's who came in to replace the strike. The, the prison guards who went on strike were replaced uh-huh. by National Guardsmen. Okay. So the second precedent was, is a, is a state National Guardsman a soldier by definition of the Third Amendment right? Yes. They said yes. Uh, and so since the state's National Guardman is a soldier, they said it is a soldier, and since even though you only live in that house because your vocation allows you to live in that house, it doesn't matter, that's where you live, then they said, yes, your Third Amendment right was violated. Good. And it was overturned. Isn't that interesting? No, it would probably never, ever be come up again. But yeah, it's interesting just how well it fit into the Third Amendment. Like, that's just a really weird... That's not at all what they intended when they... Wrote it. Wrote it, yeah. obviously, but, but there's a lot it of does fit very well, and it and that has protected, that protected them. And, people. like, not that the Third Amendment will actually come up again a lot ever, but those precedents now, like, a National Guardman is considered a soldier by the Bill of Rights, and that homeowner rights, maybe that wasn't even, they hadn't even figured that out before 1982, but now you know it. I think. Because you're in real estate. Yeah, but I think... Those rights have been around for a long time, though. But it never, maybe not, like, set in, like, court. Like, the Supreme Court probably never ruled, like, hey, that apartment is your house before 1982. I don't know. I but think, maybe. No, I think by 1982, those, those were written rules. Well, I mean, I'm telling you that this says it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> they set the precedent that... Oh, I see what you're saying. Wherever you live, that's your home. Yes. It doesn't matter if you pay to live there, if you're only living there because of your work offers it if you go to sleep there every night right you have the rights to that as your home right but that's saying this precedent there's certain okay. that said it got it got it got it oh very interesting see it was interesting two interesting tidbits i learned today cool 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 well watch out for that lamp okay we gotta wrap this up that's all uh indulgences indulgences before you disperse seen any good movies lately i would uh... Beg your indulgence for a moment. You watch too much TV. Uh, Stranger Things. We both watch Stranger Things. I actually did a whole podcast on my six-pack cinema with those guys, and we talked about it, so I'm going to do a crossover and post that as a standalone just mm-hmm. talking, just to cross-promote and do a deep dive into Stranger Things, which I did with those those mm-hmm. guys, Sheehan and Dave. Okay. You liked it, though, season two. Yes, I love Stranger Things. I loved it. I was homesick with a stomach bug this week, and... I binge-watched it in one day. Didn't get out of bed. So, um, My indulgence, though, is my book that I just started reading. I'm not far in at all, but it's super weird and different and interesting, and I think for now I would recommend it. We'll see 
as I progress through it. But it's called um, Reincarnation Blues. Don't remember who the author is. Yep. Okay, and music. My Spotify, every Friday, does like new releases for you, and I love it. Like, I wake up Friday, and I find all those new songs mm -hmm. by the bands that Spotify knows I like. Release Radar? No, not release order. They just do like new releases for um, you in the browse, um, and then I can actually go and click through. I don't like the automated playlist that much. Yeah. Um, they didn't Sometimes do it. For they, me. they didn't do it for me this week. Oh, that's sad. So well, you got nothing. Got no new music. So we just. I mean, I've been listening to Blitz and Trapper. They have a new. They have a new album out that's kind of good. Here's a little bit of one of their songs. Well, we danced in the back of the pickup truck Till the sky turned to roses Then we drove into town and we danced some more Till the barrooms all were closing And that red dress, baby, that your sister made When you dance, it sure looks fine And when we've both grown old And we're looking back on these wild and reckless times What do you think of that song? Don't like it? A little too slow for me. Yeah, I like slow music. I mean, you I, like slow music I too. like slow music, but not when it's like slow piano and weird harmonica. Nah, yeah. Nah. You like harmonica? I do like harmonica. It's not that, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Didn't like it that much. Okay, what song do you want to play as the outro then? You get to choose. I only like slow music. So. I haven't been listening to music lately. I've been listening so to podcasts. Think about a song you like. Going to California. Led Zeppelin. Oh, a slow song? That's a great slow song. Shut, okay. shut one, of, one of Katie's favorite songs. So, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Sibling order. We'll see you next week on Just Talking. Yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. But. I think we should talk about, I think you should cut the part that we did. And we should talk about that and find classic examples of when that's Testing happened. on humans? Yeah. All right. Dark. If anyone has any say, do you want to hear a whole podcast on the history of testing death on humans or diseases on humans? That sounds interesting. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be diseases. Like, what about... Or just testing things on humans, like, where it's not... It's very clearly violating their human rights. <laughs> Like the uh, LSD testing. Yep. All right. Sounds good enough for me. Okay. Unless we get a lot of people that respond and say, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. No one, <laughs> we don't want to see that. Not a lot of people interact with this one at all. They listen. They listen, which is interact. awesome. Interact. But they don't interact much. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, try your hardest. Do your best. And enjoy Going to California by Led Zeppelin, one of Katie's top favorite songs of all time. That's my all-time favorite song. But our strategy, to be honest, is try your hardest, do your best. Try your hardest, do your best. Try your hardest, do your best. Try your hardest. Spend my days with a woman and kind. Smoke my stuff and drink.
took my chances on a big jet plane Never let them tell you that we're all, all the same Oh, the sea was red and the sky was gray Dreams, telling myself it's not as hard, hard. 